going to make a, what, what I'm calling a power confession tonight. I know we have our typical confession, but I want to give us a power confession on tonight. So repeat it loudly after me. Today I'll be taught the word of God. After hearing it and believing it, receiving and applying it, say it again, receiving. Healthier and richer. My relationships will strengthen. My life will be better. I will dominate. I will conquer. Here's why. Why? Because I'm a child of the king. Yeah, you got to know that's who you are. I'm a kingdom citizen. Giants will be defeated. Walls will crumble and fall. Mountains will be leveled beneath my faith. This is my confession of faith. I will live by it. I was meant to elevate. I shall elevate. I am elevate. Somebody shout amen. Two spiritual truths I want you to grab throughout this whole entire time of teaching uh, that you have to really understand. Number one is it's going to cost you something to have something. It's going to cost you something to have something. That's the truth. Tell your neighbor that's truth. It's going to cost you something to have something. And to get something, you have to give something. Everything requires an exchange in life. Even life itself, there had to be an exchange. A man had to give of his sperma to an egg. There was an exchange even for life to come in place. You have to give something in order to... Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes, let's go. Ecclesiastes. Chapter number 10, verse number 19. A feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry. But money answereth all things. All things. I told you on Sunday, if it's a thing, then money is the answer to it. So whatever thing is happening in your life, money can answer it. Is that in your Bible? Did y'all find that? That's not a copy and paste from my own book. That's from the Word of God. If it's a thing, then that thing has an answer to it, and it's called money. If it's not a thing, money can't answer it. But if it's a thing, money can answer it. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And Father, I ask now, God, that you will search our hearts and find dark areas. Show unto us the deep mysteries and the truths of your word on this evening. Let the Lights of our understanding, God, be enlightened. Let us, God, see you in a deeper way, even in regards to our finances. For you have a purpose for all things, even our money. So, Father, now we bless you and we thank you. We kill the religious spirit now in the name of Jesus. The spirit that will prevent us coming into a season of abundance and plenty in our lives. We kill the spirit of poverty and lack off of the lives of your people. Let that spirit be broken now. In the name of Jesus, let them come, Lord God, into the fullness and the awareness of what you want to do, God, 
in this earth realm. And Father, in order to move your kingdom forward, God, we know it's going to take resources. It's going to take finances, God, to do all that you have called us to do. Father, we don't look to the sky for a bag of money to fall out. God, we look to the hills from which out cometh our help, for our help comes from you, Lord. And Father, we ask in tonight that you help our understanding and give us wisdom in regards to our finances. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, as I said to you on Sunday, when, when, when you begin to talk about money in church, it's, it's a tough topic. When you begin to declare about finances, and, and for the life of me, I don't know why it's so difficult for people to talk about money in church. I, I, I have no idea why people get so frustrated when it comes down to money in church. Now, you make every effort every day when you get up and go to work to make money. But when you get to church, you don't want to talk about it. Y'all. You, you do everything possible to bring increase in your life, to make more. But when you come to church and we begin to talk about money and strategies and plans and wisdom on God on how to make more, you're like, oh, the church talking about money. What better place to talk about it than in the church? Who better to talk about it than the, the word of God? Where, why would you not want to come and hear from the richness of God's wisdom about money. You'd rather go to a financial planner than come to church to hear about money. I promise you, you, you you'd rather go to E.F. Hutton and hear what E.F. Hutton have to say about money. Y'all know, y'all remember E.F. Hutton? The old folk remember E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton talked, everybody. <laughs> E.F. Hutton was a, a financial planner and and they had commercials when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody, because he had wisdom on how to manage money and to how to steward over money. And, and we rather go to outside sources than come to the source to hear about money. We, we rather go to someone who acquired wisdom and knowledge, watch this, from the wisdom of God. All these financial planners, they're just taking principles and concepts from the word of God. But yet they don't want to attribute it to God. They're taking all of these uh, principles that God has placed in his word. There, there's an a, a author by the name of Robert Kiyosaki. Anybody ever heard of Robert Kiyosaki? This, this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right? I don't know if Robert is saved or not, but he has some kingdom principles in his book. Matter of fact, he said every time when his money get low, he finds a charitable organization to sow into. He goes and he sows 10% into that organization. That's called a tithe. He gives 10% to that organization. And he says as soon as he does that, every time he does it, he sees his money increase. Kingdom principle. Principles apply to anything, saved or unsaved. Those who know God and don't know God. You don't believe me? Try gravity. Jump off the top of this building and watch what happens. It's just a principle. Right? The law of inertia. It's just a principle. Things that move and stay moving until something hinders it. I mean, it's just a principle. It's the same with the word of God. The principles of God works and applies for everybody if you apply. Now, wisdom would say, as a believer... 
that I give God credit for every time a principle is proven in my life. That's wisdom. So now I give him the glory. When I apply his word, he gets the glory. You know why? Because every time I give him glory for what, what he has manifested in my life, he gives me more opportunities to give him more glory. Ooh, Jesus. So the more I give him glory, the more opportunities he gives me to give him glory. So if I give him glory in the increase of my finances, guess what God does, Brother Larry? He gives me more opportunities to increase in my finances so he can get more glory. Either y'all eager to write these notes down or y'all not catching me yet. Because y'all, promise you, y'all looking at me crazy and strange. I hope you're getting it so far. So let's go. So Malachi, we, we know Malachi, the book of Malachi, is one of those passages of scriptures that we use uh, when it comes down to our tithes and our offering. Malachi, uh, chapter number 3, verse number 7, the word of the Lord declares to us, Even from the days of your fathers, ye have gone away from mine ordinances. God had a set way of doing things. And he's telling the children of Israel at this point of their life, he says that I have put things in place, but you have gone away from the things I've put in place. I had set things that I needed you to do in a set way that I needed you to do them, and you're no longer, gonna do it, no longer doing it that way. You have chosen another way. You're doing it another way other than the way I have instructed you to do it. And he says, even from those days of your father, you have gone away from these things and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, said the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And here it is. God says, in tithes and offerings. Verse number nine. Ye are cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Not one of y'all, but every one of y'all. Not just a group of people, a select group, but the whole nation have robbed me. No one is exempt from this. Bring ye all the tithes. Some of it, a portion of it, a little bit. Let me skip a week. Let me skip a pay period. You know, God knows my heart. He knows my heart. He knows that I really, truly, genuinely want to give, but I can't this week. Oh, Lord. I think I came down the right aisle that time. You know, God knows my heart. He sure do. He knows your heart is wicked and vile. He knows your heart. He, he knows. He knows the true intent of your heart. Because if you truly intended to do it, then you would do it. Come on, throw your hands up. Just speaking the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> He knows your heart. 
And, and he, says, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And I hear the religious spirit saying that's an Old Testament principle, but I'm approved by the word of God on tonight that tithes and offerings is not just an Old Testament principle. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. So God has a house. He has a house. Bethel, the house of God. And God says in his house, there should be meat provided. And the way the meat is being provided is that for the whole nation to bring the tithe and the offering into the house of God so that there can be meat in the house. Meat can also be, as the word of God, as we're going to see in Corinthians, is, uh, it, it talks about some, some are on milk. And God is trying to get us to a place of So how can we have meat in the house of God? Bring ye tithes and offerings into the house so that there can be meat. What is the purpose of the meat? To move the babes from milk to meat. Are y'all with me? So, so how, how can we uh, encourage, how can we exhort, how can we help mature the, the babes that come into Christ? How can we move them from a place of milk to meat? We need meat in the house. And the only way for that to happen is for people to be mature enough to bring the tithe and the... So now that we can have what's necessary, when the babe come in... That we can mature them and grow them up as Ephesians says, chapter number four. It is our job and our assignment is to raise up so that they become mature believers. Could you imagine a 45-year-old baby still drinking milk? Could you imagine a parent carrying their 25-year-old baby on their hip? With a bottle of milk, feeding them on on their hip, it would be the diapers. Yeah. So watch. It is such as some believers in the house of God. You're too old to be on milk. It's high time to put the bottle away and to get on meat. So God is trying to get us to a place where we mature enough. To where we get off the milk and get to your tithe for you, for some of you, is still milk. You're too mature enough now to still be on milk. You're too seasoned in this thing to still be on milk. What are you saying, Apostle? You should be growing beyond the tide at this point. Some of you have been given the same tide that you have been given since you come into the faith. So, so uh, that $20 offering you've been given every time, you should have grown beyond that because God has brought increase into your life. You have now increased uh, financially in your life, but yet you're still giving the same. Oh, y'all. That's what we, listen, God is growing us tonight. He's stretching us. And we're still giving that $5 offering. 
And it's been 20 years now you've been saved. You're still giving the same. You know, that says two things. One, it says that you don't trust God enough. On the flip side of that is that you don't believe God. That's all that says. I love y'all. This past year, in the last, my uh, Lady T has not worked uh, up until this point throughout the pandemic. She hadn't worked in a year and a half, right? And she shares this testimony as well. Hadn't worked in a year and a half, and God sustained us. We gave more in that time she was not working than we gave uh, in the previous year when she was working. I don't know how that works, <laughs> other than the fact that it's God. We gave during the time of famine. Yeah. Now watch. In that time that she was off, she didn't work. The job that she has now, she's making. Uh, okay. This, it's not a boast. It's a glory of God. She's making $35,000 more than the last job she had. I didn't say 3500 35 more. That's because we sold in a time of famine. We stayed faithful. We still had to give during that time. Right? And we gave and we gave. I gave. And, and listen, my, my tied the record. I was like, Lord Jesus, how did that happen? But, but staying faithful to the things of God, God steadily brought increase. Steadily brought increase. Steadily brought increase. So, when you don't or you remain where you are, it's either you don't trust God or you don't believe God. And he says, bring that there may be meat in my house and prove me wherewith, herewith, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out, watch, a blessing. That this one blessing is going to be so large that he's going to have to open up windows just to pour out one. Are y'all reading y'all Bible? That I will open up you windows, plural, of heaven and pour you out. The blessing is going to be so large, he's going to need more windows to open to pour it out. From one blessing, many windows have to open up. In other words, God says, I'm going to bless you in many avenues. Oh, y'all hear me tonight. That this one blessing is going to spill over into other areas of your life. You're going to have a season of health and healing and happiness and wholeness. Your, your house and everything in it is going to be maintained and sustained. Your money going to grow and increase. Your family going to be saved. These are the windows God says, I'm going to pour out of all of these windows, these portals, these gateways, and these doorways into your life that has been shut. I'm going to open them up and pour a blessing out into all of them. Every area of your life. God says, I'm going to open up these windows and begin to pour into them. Watch this. From one blessing. <laughs> and how does that start? When you learn to bring meat to the house. See, right now you're eating meat. 
Right now, you're going to walk out here extra pounds heavier. Oh, Lord. You're going against my New Year's resolution, Pastor. I'm trying to lose weight. You tell me I'm going to gain weight? Yeah, spiritually, you're going to walk out here heavier. Because when you gain this revelation, the glory of God rests upon you, and now the weight of glory of God makes you heavier. So now you can go and put this into practice, and as you're putting these things into practice, you're going to see manifestation of these things. Can you say amen? Amen. It says that I will open up a window, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing. Watch this, that you shall not have room enough to receive it. You won't have enough room to receive all that I'm about to do in your life. I want to give you another uh, application of this. Watch this. He says that you won't have room to receive it. So in other words, you got to let some things go in order to receive some things. So the thing that God wants to do in your life is so great, he says you won't even have room to receive it. So right now you're holding on to stuff that you're going to have to let go of so that you can make room to receive just a portion of what he's going to give you because you still won't have room. It's going to be such an overflow. So some of you are holding on to some old stuff and God wants to do a new thing. Some of you are believing God for a new thing, but you're still holding on to the old thing. God, God, I want I want a new move in my life. He said, let go of the old move. I shared this testimony before, and, and I'll share with you guys tonight, but some of you may have not heard it. In, in 2016, when the flood hit, y'all remember the flood? I, I mean, everybody was impacted by the flood. Whether your house uh, went underwater or not, you were impacted by it because there was no uh, food on the shelf. It was just, it was crazy. Traffic was bad. There was no gas. It was just crazy during the flood, right? And, and so our house got flooded. Uh, we moved in with my in-laws for a season, stayed my mom. We stayed all over the place during that season and and so while our house was being renovated um can i teach just take my time tonight is that all right uh so while our house was renovated we were staying with my in-laws who lived two streets over from our house and i would go periodically to check on the contractors and make sure they were doing what they were supposed to do kind of help out to kind of speed the process along and one day I went and the contractors weren't there and I was just in the house praying, had all the windows up because we had no power at the time. And I'm in there praying with all the windows up. And, and while I'm in the house praying and, uh, and all of this, I hear this voice outside the window. It's a neighbor, right? So our house is kind of in the curve. So it's our house, a neighbor's house, and a neighbor's house. The neighbor next to me, immediately to our right, flooded. The neighbor next to him did not flood. The neighbor next to her flooded. She was one house in this area that did not flood. And so she's on the phone and she's testifying. I don't know who she's testifying to. And and she's testifying, the Lord spared my house. The Lord is so good. I prayed all night long that God would put a hedge of protection around my house. And he did it. And she's shouting, oh, glory to God. I mean, loud. And I was angry. Uh, like a holy anger came over me. 
And I probably wasn't too old. Let's be honest. I'm like, I was like, who she thinks she is? Yeah, can we have a transparent moment? I'm a preacher of the word of God. I sow, I give, I serve, I do all these things. And she had the audacity to talk about how God protected her house when my house got impacted. And, and I was, I'm going through this in my head. I'm like, God, this, this, this ain't right. I prayed all night just like she did. You telling me you heard her prayers and you denied my prayers? You ever prayed like that? <laughs> you ever felt like that? You done prayed for a situation and somebody else gets the manifestation of the very thing you prayed for, but you didn't get it and they got it? Yeah. You were sowing for the same thing they were sowing, and they got it, and you didn't? And you put in just as much work as they did? Yeah. And I'm like, Lord, come on now. I put in all this work in the kingdom of God, souls being saved, my soul when I did all this. And I heard the Spirit of God says, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? I said, what do you mean what's wrong with that? He said, she can shout over that. She's shouting because I am a, watch this, this thing really messed me up, y'all. I am a maintainer of things. I maintain her things, but I'm also a restorer of things. She's shouting over what the old stuff that I maintain. You better shout about the new stuff. (laughs) She's shouting over the old stuff that she was able to keep. You better shout for the new stuff that's coming your way. Fresh paint, new walls, new carpet, new front. Y'all not saying the new clothes. All of this stuff. God says you got to learn how to shout when I keep and learn to shout when I restore. Y'all learn to shout. Either way. So we had to move out the old stuff. So the thing that God wants to do in your life, he said, you got to move the old stuff out the way. Some of you came into this new year still holding on to old stuff. Some of you saying, God, it's going to be a new year. He says, yes, it is a new number of year, but you're still living in the oldness of last year. You still got last year's mindset. You still have last year's hurts and pains. You're still holding on to all of that stuff. I want to do a new thing. It's going to be a new thing, but let go of the old thing. Got to make room. All right, fast. Just kind of stretch your elbows out. Tell your neighbor, give me room. Give me, boom, get out the way. Get out the way. I want to tell your neighbor, give me 50 feet. I just need about 50 feet. I need about 50 feet because what God's about to do, I need more room. I need more room for what God's, I need more room for what God is about to do. I need the space. God is stretching out in me. I need more space. Amen. I'm getting bigger. (laughs) I need more room. But in order to make room for the thing that God wants to do, I got to let go of the old stuff. I got to let it go. So I can have room to receive all that God is going to bring. Watch verse number 11. He says, now rebuke the devourer on your, for your sakes. 
And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, said it, the Lord of hosts. Now, now here's, here's a promise that God has given us. He's going to rebuke the devourer, number one. He's going to keep the enemy from devouring your harvest. And then he goes from making this declaration, watch this, he goes from a promise to provision. He says, I'm promising you, the, the devil, the devourer will not eat up your stuff. But here's the provision. Your seed, your harvest, watch this. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. The, the vine that cast her fruit is the harvest. So he goes from making a promise to now talking about the harvest to come. He says that your harvest is going to come right when it needs to come. It's going to produce and yield fruit at the very moment you need it to. Have y'all ever been in a situation like that where your back is like against the wall and God provided like in the ninth hour? Or even the eleventh hour. I mean, to me it's always the ninth. I'm, Nine is my number. He always comes through. It's the number of process. It's just boom. I've been waiting all day and then boom, there it is. Right? And that's what God, God is shifting us in this season from promises to provision. Verse number 12, and it says, and all nations, I love this part, shall call you what? Blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord. So, so we're talking tonight, what's in your hand, taken from Sunday, it's not greater than what's to come. Tell your neighbor what's in your hand is not greater than what's to come. So in the Bible, the Bible really gives you, it talks about really five first fruits. Somebody shout five. Five first fruits. N- number one, uh, the Bible talks about first fruit. It talks about the harvest as the first fruit, your harvest. You can write down this scripture reference and read it later for yourself. Exodus chapter 23, verse 16. The first harvest, he considers the first fruit. The harvest as the first fruit. Um, Exodus chapter 23 and verse 16. The Bible calls, and, and Jeremiah calls the children of Israel God's first fruit children. First fruit, because Israel, first fruit. You'll find that in Jeremiah chapter number two, verse number three. And I want to challenge, I got a question for somebody or, or a challenge for somebody. I want you to find in the Bible where God calls you a tither. Come on, go through your Bibles right now and see where... God calls you a tither. When you find it, lift your hand and stand to your feet. You say it's a trap. God never calls you a tither. But here's the thing. He calls you first fruit. That's where the maturity and the growth takes place. 
So the liking of your understanding needs to increase. Because we, we're quick to shout, I'm a tither. And that's okay when you're a babe. When, when, when your understanding has not reached to that level yet, uh, I'm a tither. He never calls the believer a tither. You know what he calls the believer? First fruit. Matter of fact, let's look at that. He calls the believer a first fruit. Somebody grab Romans chapter number 16, verse number 5. I don't think I put that in the slide up there, but uh, Romans chapter number 16 and verse number 5. And then uh, don't even worry about putting it up, Nick. Don't grab it. Uh, somebody grab that, read it out loud. Then I need someone to grab 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 and verse 5. Romans 16, 5 and 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. God calls the believers, the new converts in some translations, he called them first fruit. Some of y'all fruity. (laughs) Not you though, Craig. (laughs) But he calls the believers the new converts. He calls us believers first fruit. First fruit. So why are we declaring that we're tithers when we're first fruit? You know why? It's because to tithe means that I am stagnant in my understanding. I don't want to believe God the greater beyond where I believe him right now. Okay. I'll swing again. Uh, to, to, to maintain at that level of understanding says that, God, I don't want to grow anymore. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Our, rela- our relationship is good enough, God. I mean, let's just don't push it too much, God. Don't push it too much. Remember, you know my heart. <laughs> And, and to maintain at that level is, watch this, it is a Jacob mindset. I don't want to change. So I got to wrestle with you all night long, God, to get a name change. And that's how it is when it comes down to our money. We wrestle with God over our money. Watch, we say it belongs to him. So why would I have to wrestle with, some, with him over something he owns? Why I got to fight with God and strive with God when it belongs to God? If it belongs to him, then I should willingly say, God, here's your stuff back. Matter of fact, God, take the whole and give me back what you would have me to have. God, take it all. And if you want me to have 30% back and you keep 70, it's yours anyway. Y'all quiet. If it belongs to him. If, if you really believe that, that all the, the fullness and thereof belongs to the Lord, it's not my money, it's God's money. 
will give it all back to him. And trust him to say, okay, God, if you give me 10%, that 10%, because of your wisdom, you know that's more than enough than I need. If, if you give me 5% back, God, I trust you that you know that 5% is more than what I need. And I trust you with the 5. And now I can accomplish everything I need to accomplish with the 5 than I could have with the 90. That, that's when you grow in your relationship with God. Because when you say, I trust God, I got to trust God with everything. That's what they did in the book of Acts. They sold everything and everybody had everything in common. And they brought it and they watched what they did. They laid it at the apostles' feet. And see, the reason why we have such a hard time dealing with that, because we've seen some apostles do erroneous with the... Yeah, quiet. We've been hurt by that. So now watch this. Because of what we experience naturally with man, we don't trust God spiritually. Oh, we let our natural experiences impact our supernatural experiences with God. Oh, Jesus. Now, now watch. Here's the purpose. I'm not saying go sell all your stuff and come and bring it to the house and lay it at my feet. But, but this is what they did. In, in, in Acts uh, 14, it, it says they laid it at the apostles' feet. And watch what the apostles did. They distributed it. That was God's first welfare system. Everybody who had a need, the, the, the purpose of this was, watch, was that they would come to the church to have the need fulfilled so that God can get the glory and not man. Okay. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. They told the church, oh, we're going to sell our land and give all the money to God. In other words, they want to be seen for their giving. But yet in that, they kept some back for themselves. They didn't give all they said that they were going to give. <laughs> Y'all know what happened next. <laughs> so, so, so God calls us as believers first fruit. And he's trying to grow us to that place. You, you know who else is the first fruit? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Romans chapter number 8, verse 23. The Holy Spirit. So the first fruit of the harvest, the children of Israel, the believers, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks about as being the first fruit. You know, there's another first fruit. And the Bible says that we're co-heirs with him. Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's first fruit. Now watch. God did not give us a tithe. He gave, a, gave us a first fruit. In Jesus. <laughs> he didn't give you 10%. He gave you the whole. Jesus, imagine if God would have just given us a tithe 
and say, make do with that. If Jesus was just 10% and not 100% God in divinity wrapped in flesh. If he was just 10% of God incarnated in flesh, as John chapter number 1 verse 14 said, then we would not have beheld the glory of the begotten. We would have only beheld just a glimpse. We would have just got a glimpse of Jesus, just a little portion, just a little piece. But God gave us the whole and not a half, not a part, not a partial, but he gave us the first fruit. Jesus, the first, first Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 20. Somebody grab that real quick. First Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 20. First Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 20. When you have it, don't wait, just read it. Keep reading. We're going to go all the way down to verse number 20. Well, actually, I want you to start in verse 20. Let's start in 20. Amen. Christ, the first fruit. He's the first fruit. He's the first fruit. Now watch, not just the first fruit of the living, the first fruit of the dead too. So he was enough for those who are alive and yet even more than enough for those who are dead. (laughs) That's what happens when you give your all, your first fruit. It's enough for now and later. Y'all, y'all remember that candy? Now later. Now later. <laughs> Amen. So, so Christ is the first fruit. So I told you in your giving, number one, your giving is a test. Your giving is a test. Your giving is a test. First and for, 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 uh, foremost, your money, your giving is a test. When God gives you money, he's testing you. It's a test. That increase on your job, that promotion, that raise, that increase, it's a test. <laughs> TJ said, I wish I knew that last week. Yeah, it's a test. It's a test. God wants to see if you're going to be a good steward over it. What you going to do with it? It's a test. He's trying to see if I can trust you with a little before I release much. It's a test. Secondly, I told you on Sunday, it's a testimony. Your giving and your money is a testimony. It testifies of your trust and your faith in God. Amen. We're on serious delay, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hear this. Your seed will never be greater than your harvest. Your seed will never be greater than your harvest. 
inside of every seed is abundance. Your seed itself will never be greater than the harvest because inside of the seed is the harvest. You will never plant an orange seed and get a singular orange. You will never plant an apple seed and get just an apple. You will get an archer of apples, rows and rows. You get apple on the tree. I mean, trees and trees filled with apples. So your seed will never be greater than your harvest. Now hear this, write this down. The devil is not after your seed. He's after your harvest. That's why he wrestles with you over your seed. Because he knows that something greater to come out of the seed. So he fights you for the seed so you can't get your harvest. That's why I thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why Herod tried to kill every male child at the age of two. He was looking for the harvest off of the seed. He was looking for King Jesus, who was the great harvest. So he killed every child, every male child, trying to kill the seed. Same thing with Pharaoh, with the children. He said, look, when, the, when they, uh, these Hebrew women have babies, if it's a male child, kill them. He was trying to kill the seed because he didn't want the bloodline of the king to come. So Satan is after your seed, not your harvest. I mean, your harvest, not your seed. But he fights you with your seed because he knows if I can get the seed, there'll be no harvest. Oh, y'all hear me tonight. So the fight is not for the harvest, uh, for the seed. The fight is for your harvest. That's why it's so important for you to give the first fruit. Plant your seed before the devil can get it. Ooh, Jesus. Did y'all catch that? Because once in the ground, it's too late. Plant your seed before the enemy can take hold. Watch this. Plant your seed before your conscious mind will talk you out of a spiritual blessing. Because your mind going to try to rationalize that thing. Your mind going to talk you out of it. Well, you know, I got this to pay and I got that to pay and I got this to do. You won't have nothing that to do unless you have harvest to do it. And the only way to get a harvest is to plant the seed. Did y'all hear that? How are you going to do all this your mind is telling you have to do unless you have a harvest to do it with? That's why in the season, God is trying to prep us. He's trying to detach our emotions from our money. He's trying to detach us from the emotionalism when it comes down to our money. How we feel about it, what we think about it. You should have no thoughts about money. It's a tool. Some of y'all waking up can't sleep at night because you don't have enough money. You have more month than money. And you're worried about that. God says, I want to detach you from the emotions of your money so when it's time to give, it don't bother you. It don't bother you. I, I rest really well at night. 
with money and without money, I sleep. Some of y'all can't even sleep at night because you're worried about uh, this bill you got to pay tomorrow. I sleep. I sleep too. Well, Craig, you sleep all the time. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the front row so I can tap you every now and then to wake you up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, but, but God is trying to detach us. From the emotions that we feel, the things we feel about the money, right? And and, and as we're being detached from that, then when God brings it into our life, when he increases in our life, then now watch this. We can yield to the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit will have us to do without a wrestle. Some of us be wrestling with God when, when, when God speak about us sowing into somebody's life. You know, that's the devil, (laughs) You ever been in the grocery store and, and the Holy Spirit say, pay for that? The devil is a lie. <laughs> that ain't God. At the, yeah, at the Starbucks or the McDonald's. <laughs> That's, the devil is a lie. Especially, especially if he told you to pay for it before you saw how much it rang up for Now, if it's within your means, praise Jesus. Here you go. Bless the Lord. The Lord told me to pay for this. When it's $200, phew, that's the devil. I know that wasn't God. <laughs> and now you're wrestling with God. Why? Because you're emotionally attached to your money. It don't belong to me. It don't, I told you, I share a testimony. When I, wherever I'm at, if the Spirit of God say give, I just give. And it's just, I have a giving fund set aside just for that. So I can obey the Spirit of God whenever the Spirit of God speaks. I put money aside just so that I can obey the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God speaks. And I don't care what it is. If I'm at the register and they ring up and the Spirit of God say pay, it come up to $500. I, God has already gave me enough to be able to pay whatever it is. So now when I obey, it's just like, okay, boom, there it is. Praise God. It don't belong to me anyway. That was yours. Because I understand that in order for me to obey God, I can't wrestle with God. In order for me to obey God, I have to be prepared in that moment to be able to do. I promise to God I have a drawer at the house with old checks, and I'm training my hand on how to write million-dollar checks. Some of these checks got y'all name on it. I, I've already started writing your name on checks. I'm training my hand. So my hand would know one day when it's time to write, my hand could just write it. And I don't have to wrestle with God. My hand will be on autopilot. Boom. I'm training my spirit to be ready when that time comes. I can just write it out. Boom. There you go. And that's how you have to prepare yourself in the season because there will be a time where the Spirit of God is going to unction you and call you to give. And you're going to look at what you have and you say, I can't do that. And the Spirit of God said, but I need you to do it because there's something of great awakening that needs to take place in that person's life. And I need you to be able to give into that person so that that person can see me and not see you. 
Because your money has influence. Good God Almighty, I feel you, Holy Ghost. Your money has influence. And, and so God is training us in this season to detach those emotions that we learn when it comes down to the first fruit that we give. Watch this. So we can have an abundance and an overflow. So now when the Holy Spirit say do, you can simply do. You can obey at every moment. That widow on the corner who is struggling and striving, needs some help and some support, you can just go and give. That homeless person who's been out in the cold, no place to sleep, I can put you in a hotel for a week. That's why it's important for you to catch the first fruit. You have more than enough to be able to do more than enough. And so when we take hold of this principle, then God begins to open up windows to pour out a blessing. But you won't even have room to contain. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a part of the harvest that is for you. There's a part of the harvest for others. Y'all remember Boaz? You remember Ruth and Naomi? Boaz was collecting the harvest, the harvesters and the reapers. But he said, lead. They, this is a principle, Old, Old Testament principle. And they, they still did it, you know, in, in the late 50s and 60s, is, uh, that when they would harvest the crops, they would allow some to fall on the ground for the people in need. So they would bring it in and they would leave some behind for the needy. Right? And, and, and Boaz was doing that. He, he would pull in the harvest but he would leave some behind. So what I'm saying to you, there's a portion of the harvest God wants you to eat from, but then there's a portion he wants you to leave behind. Some left over for your neighbor, for the needy. He's preparing us in this season. All right, y'all with me? So uh, financial freedom comes from faith in God. Come on, lift your hands right quick. Repeat after me. My financial freedom comes from my faith in God. Say it again. My financial freedom comes from my faith in God. Come on, say it one more time to believe. My financial freedom comes from my faith in God. Say amen. Amen. So God wants you financially free. Oh, I know that goes against the religious traditional mind. There's a sect of people that believe that God wants his people in poverty. Oh, we should be poor like Jesus. Jesus was not poor. (laughs) Not only did he have a treasure, but he had a house in Corinth, which was by the sea, a port that was wealthy and rich. So he had a house in the richest region. So Jesus was not poor. Jesus had sponsors and supporters like Lydia, a woman who was wealthy that supported the men of God, sent offerings to make sure that they had money to do the work of the ministry. Jesus wasn't poor. Let's say the people believe that we should be poor and impoverished. We should live such a meager life and not worry about money. Just be poor. 
Now, these same people got money in their bank, but yet they want you to be poor. Right? So, so God, God wants us financially free. Why? So now we're not tied to this financial system. He, he doesn't want us reattached to the Babylonian system that we have to slave after and it becomes our master and we have to answer to it and not to him. So God wants us financially free. Now, is that millionaire status for some hundred thousand there status for others? I don't know, but he wants us free from the struggle of finances to where money don't become your God. That you have to answer the money. Oh, we, we have a revival at the church, but I can't go because I have to answer to my master money. I have to work that week. We're going out to reach the lost, but I can't go because my master money says I have to be at work for 12 hours this week. Hello. And God wants us financially free. Do, uh, man, don't work, you don't eat. Am I saying God don't want you to work? No, but, but I work for the kingdom of God, not for money. Did y'all hear me? So, yes, if I have to go to nine to five, seven days a week, then I'm doing it with the sake and the purpose not to get money, but to expand the kingdom of God. There's two type or three type of people that God called or looking for in the body of Christ. He's looking for priests, kings, and he's looking for priests and kings. What does that mean? He's he looking for those who will share the gospel label. We know priests in the Old Testament, the priests worked in the house of God. But then he's looking for kings who will help finance the house of God. And then there are people like King David who was a priest and a king. Not only did he bring in the resources into the house of God, but he was able to also put on the ephod to seek after God as well. Some of you guys are going to make kingdom financial entrepreneurs, financiers for the kingdom. He's going to bring great wealth into your hands just to support and finance the kingdom. Hallelujah. Don't do a Deuteronomy thing in your life. Give you creative power to create wealth. Going to give you visions and ideas on plans and schemes and, and concepts to create wealth. I don't know who want to grab hold of that, but I would say, Lord, use me for that. Give me creative wisdom with patents and designs and concepts that I can have a patent that my children's 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 children can live off of. Make me a kingdom financer. Right? Use me, Lord. Why not? So my financial freedom comes from my faith in God. Faith in God produces this. Number one, trust. I'm going to give you these and then we're going to let you go on tonight. My faith in God, first and foremost, produces trust. Trust in him. Trust in him. Just like you had the faith to sit down on that chair, God says, I want you to have that type of faith in me. That you can trust that every sit on my word, it will produce what it's supposed to produce. That's what God wants us to be. He wants to have faith that every time you trust in the word, you can sit on it and be certain that it's going to hold me up. 
God, I trust you. If I stand on your word, if I sit on your word, it's going to do what you said. It's not going to return void. It produces trust. Number two, it, it produces knowledge. Your faith in God produces knowledge. God will give you knowledge. He'll he'll let you know things when you have faith in him. And you need to know. That's why we're here tonight. That's why God has us in the season of increase in the first fruits. Is because God wants us to know. He wants you to know. Look at your neighbor and say he wants you to know. Yeah, he don't want to hide nothing from you. He wants to reveal everything possible to you. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to know how to increase in every area of your life. He don't just want you to be saved. What's, what's good with salvation if that's just it by itself? Because if you just have salvation and salvation alone, you might as well go ahead and die and be with the Father. Ah, boy, that's strong meat right there. So salvation alone by itself is not God's agenda. Because if it was, the world would be saved and everybody just go on. He'd just go and come and crack open the east of the sky. The trumpet will sound. Come on down and everybody, everything be good. We'll all be singing Kumbaya right now. Amen. I'm pulling y'all up tonight. So it's not just God's part. He wants to restore everything to its rightful order. And that rightful order is not only that you spend eternity with him, but the rightful order is, is that the, the gold and the silver and the fullness thereof will be made plenty accessible to everybody. Adam had everything accessible to him. God ain't hold nothing back from him except for one tree. One tree. Everything he can have, everything. Adam, Adam could have went and dig in the hills and grabbed gold in abundance. <laughs> if it, in today's time, Adam's toilet would have been gold. Amen. He had a big rims, gold rims, rolling on 20s. Pure gold. Everything was accessible to him. So that's God's plan to restore back to where we have access to everything and nothing holds us. Hallelujah. Told you we're killing that spirit of tradition and religion tonight. God wants you to have it. Uh, faith in God produces wisdom. Knowledge is to know. Wisdom is to do that which you know. Faith in God produces wisdom. Now that you know, he gives you wisdom to do what you know. That's the problem with a lot of people. They know, but they don't do nothing with what they know. Or they don't know how to do it. They got the knowledge. They just don't know how. And God wants you to have wisdom to know how to do that which he is instructing you to do. And the church has been very good at giving you spiritualism, but no natural applications. They, they give me a whole lot of knowledge, a lot of head knowledge. A lot of you know a lot of scriptures, probably more scriptures than me, and, and, and can parakeet them things. You just run them out, but don't know what to do with them. Don't know what to do with them. We run into them all the time on church and the levy. We got some very religious, educated, uh, homeless people that can give you the word, but don't know how to apply it. 
Don't know what to do with it. Don't know what to do with it. Got a lot of head knowledge. A lot of book knowledge. Got a lot of book sense, but no common sense. And, and, and that's such as in the body of Christ is that we have a lot of knowledge, but don't know what to do with it. All of this word that you have. All of this, hold your Bibles up or your iPhones or whatever. Before I say this, open your phone, for those who are on digital, open your phone to the Bible before I say this. Make sure it's on the Bible. All right, and then hold it up. Amen. You got it open? Got your Bible open on your phone? Hold it up. You know what you're holding in your hand? You're holding the mind of God in your hand. The Bible is God's mind in paper format. Those are God's thoughts. That's the way God thinks. His word is his mind. That's why the Bible says pull down every high thought that would try to exalt itself, watch, against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says you ought to have the mind of Christ. You need God's word in your mind. That's why the enemy attacks your mind. Because he's attacking the mind of God that's supposed to be there at work. That's why people go crazy. Because the enemy is trying to attack what's supposed to be there. Don't want you to get the word of, uh, of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. He, he wants you to get your mind right. That's why Romans says that we should have a renewance of our mind. So, wisdom, to know what to do. Understanding. My faith in God gives me understanding. To stand under. Now, understanding, so knowledge is to know. Wisdom is to do that which you know. Understanding is the why of which it is to be done. It's the why. I know why. I know why it is the way it is. I know why this part goes with this part, why this thing has to happen for this thing to happen. I I know the ins and the outs. It's like nowadays, uh, you will offend a mechanic nowadays who is a new school mechanic, uh, or how can I say it? Uh, They're no longer mechanics, they're technicians. You offend a technician by calling him a mechanic because a mechanic takes the mechanical parts and he just replaces the parts that are broken. But a technician can tell you why that part needs to be replaced. He can tell you the understanding and the workings, the inner workings, why the R pressure has to be this much and the PSI has to be this much. Because if you don't have this, then that won't happen. They, can, they understand the inner workings. They're almost like an engineer, the one who developed, who developed the whole thing. and tell you exactly what does what and why it needs to happen. And that's what God says. He says, with your money, I need you to understand the inner workings of the money. Why it is. Y'all quiet again, oh man, making me nervous. <laughs> Number five, my faith in God teaches me patience. 
So when it comes down to your finances in life, God wants you to have patience. Right? Don't try all these get rich type of schemes. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't run to the, the be quick at the service and go get your lottery ticket. <laughs> be patient. Be patient. Let patience have its perfect work. Because the honest, the truth is, if you got it today, you're going to lose it shortly after. Statistically, people go broke after two years of winning the lottery. Facts. That people after winning the lottery in two years, they're broke. Because they didn't have an understanding of the inner workings of money. So they get it. Two years later, it's gone. That's why a lot of NFL athletes and stuff, when they make it, you know what they're doing now? They're teaching them financial strategy and financial planning. As rookies, they sit in a financial class, and they teach all of the rookies, this is how you manage your money. This is what money is for. Because they haven't seen too many athletes throw their lives away because they're millionaires overnight. Hallelujah. You got to be patient. So God can teach you on how to handle your money. Um, last one, my faith in God produces discipline. I'm sorry, I just cuss in church, y'all. Discipline is a cuss word for some folk. People don't want to be disciplined. Amen. My faith in God produces discipline. So when it comes down to your first fruit, you have to be disciplined in that because when you sow and God brings an increase in the harvest off of that, you have to be disciplined to do what you need to do with what comes off of that. Can you say amen? Let me say this last statement to you. When you get what you have, you not only get what you gained, but you get much, much more in return. That is the principle when you give what you have, you not only get back what you gave, but you get much more in return. Give you two biblical examples, and then we're done for tonight. The boy with the fish and five loaves, he gave what he had, but he didn't get two fish and five loaves back in return. He got 12 baskets for He gave two fish and five loaves, but he got 12 baskets off of that. Abraham was charged by God to give his son as a sacrifice, the promised child, as a sacrifice. When Abraham went up that mountain, he thought in his natural mind, he thought he was coming back alone. But Abraham not only got what he was about to give, but he also got something much more. He got to keep what he was about to give, plus he got a ram in the bush. <laughs> so not only did he give, but he got to keep what he was about to give, but he got much, much more in return. So, so when, when, when you give, 
you can expect God to multiply back unto you. Don't look at what you're giving or what you're losing. Think about what you're gaining. And if your mindset is not on what's to be lost, but what's to be gained, then you'll have a new perspective in your giving. I'm not looking at what I'm giving. I don't care about what the amount is. I'm not looking at what's lost. I'm looking at what's to come. 